0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center Podcast. I'm excited about tonight. Um, I'm doing a, just a single message tonight. Um, God kind of gave me a word on um, Sunday morning during worship, and I almost jumped up and shared it. But I, I you know, if you do have a word, sometimes you can restrain yourself. That is possible to restrain. So I felt like I should just restrain myself and just think about it a little bit more. But as um, I was, was kind of thinking about it, I, thought, I felt like I should actually preach on this word that God gave me, but God was asking me. He's asking me, but asking people here too. You know what? What am I asking of you? So the title of my message tonight is actually a question. It's what does Jesus ask of you? And, and Jesus was asking me, you know, what? What am I asking of every individual here at church? What am I asking of you, Pastor? And what am I, what am I asking of you? And I, I just said, well, you, you just tell me, Jesus. I don't. And he told me, and he said, well, I'm not asking for much. I'm like, okay, I'm just asking for everything. <laughs> and that's really true. And as I kind of thought about that, and I'll kind of preach on this tonight, he said, I'm not asking for much, I'm just asking for everything. What, whatever we're holding on to and not giving over to Jesus, it might seem like everything to us, but it's really not much. And there have been things in my life that I've kind of held on to, like, Jesus, you're Lord over most of my life, but not this area. Let me control my career, or let me control my relationships, or let me figure out when I want to forgive that person. I'm just going to hold on to this. I'm going to cling up, and I'm going to be Lord over this situation. I'm I'm going to make it, I'm going to, vengeance is mine, says Pastor Aaron. And it seems like a lot, it seems like everything. And you're holding on to it with all your might, but, but give it to him, it's really not much. So, what is Jesus asking of you? It's not much, it's just everything. And once you give it to him, what seemed like everything to you, when you look back at it, you'll say, that was nothing. That really wasn't that much. This relationship that I was in, that I was holding on to, that I know wasn't God's best for me. When I finally let go and trust God with it and, and move move on with my life, move on with the plan that He has for me. When I look back, I'm gonna say, what was I thinking? That really wasn't that much. Amen. So what is what is Jesus asking of you? He's not asking much, he's just asking for everything. So let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. I kind of want to preach on this tonight, and I'm gonna kind of morph into another word that God gave me. Uh, on Sunday morning, it's that, and I kind of shared it during offering, but it's that this, God is is gonna build this church with ordinary people. Sometimes as Christians, sometimes the body of Christ just itches to, to get rich and famous and powerful people involved and let them, let their notoriety, let their talent, let their fame, let their riches grow things. But God likes to grow things with ordinary people And I feel that this church is gonna grow, grow numerically, it's gonna grow financially, but it's gonna grow because God is growing the ordinary people here. We're gonna grow financially because God is growing ordinary people financially. God God is growing things organically from within. We don't have to inject, you know, outside worldly influences, or outside worldly plans, outside worldly philosophies into what God is doing here. And, and, and God likes to use ordinary people because when, when he does it, you know it's God. You know it wasn't this, this rich dude that made that church big. It wasn't just this famous singer that made that church it's it's his spirit that did it some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, some may trust in corporations, some may trust in politicians, some may trust but we're going to trust in the name of our Lord and I love it if, if, if billionaires get saved. I love it if politicians get saved. I love it, I love it if, you know, celebrities get saved and, and speak about Jesus. But only, only the Spirit of God can build the church the way that God wants it to be built. Amen. And I, I believe that this, this church is going to be built by very ordinary people. Very ordinary people are going to come here. Very ordinary people are going to surrender their life to Jesus. Just say, hey, have everything. And then see what he does with, does with what you think is everything. And it's going to be far more than you could even think or dream about. Matthew 16. Let's start in verse 24. So Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And verse 25 is powerful. You could just chew on that for a while. Verse 26, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What Jesus is saying right here, especially in verse 25, goes completely against what the majority of the world um, teaches and preaches today. Worldly philosophy um, says it, it, you, you are the God of your own universe. If you think it's right, it's right. If you feel that it's right, it's right. If you, you are the center of, you, of your universe. You know, the, the Historically, the church—you know—there were leaders in the church in the dark ages that became very upset when scientists said, "Well, the 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 sun is the center of the universe, You're not the Earth," and, and that that made that made you know religious people mad at the time. But but the way the worldly philosophies worked, that they they put mankind at the center of the universe again. Where, where it's up to us to control everything. It's up to us to, to declare what's right, what's wrong. They, they, put, they put the individual person at the center of the universe. But God, God is the creator of this universe. His glory he will not give to another. If you try to find yourself in the world, you're going to lose yourself. You know, my dad and I were filming for television and we were talking about how me and my brothers all went to secular universities, but we remained Christians, How is that? Well, he raised us all to be ambitious, to have goals, to to, to love God, to love the word, to love the local church. But when when we went to school, we weren't going there to try to find ourselves. You need to be careful where you're trying to find yourself. When you are searching, where are you searching at? Going to the bar is a bad place to search for yourself. (laughs) Going to any... Any secular university is a bad place to search for yourself. Going to Instagram is a bad place to search for yourself. There's only one place that's safe to search for yourself. And that, 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 is, that is in Jesus, in God, in his word. That is the only safe place to, to, to search for meaning, to search for truth, to search for life. You know, if, you're try, if you're trying to save yourself, if you're trying to save your life apart from Jesus, you're going to lose it. Whatever you're trying to hold on to and saying, well, this, this I want to be Lord over this. You're going to lose it. It's going to cause sorrow. It's going to die. It's not going to work out. But if you give it up to him, if you give up what seems like everything, if you give up your life for his sake, you're going to find it. And you're going to find something much better than you even thought you could find. I like um, what D.L. Moody said. He said, our greatest fear shouldn't be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't matter. And just on the way, I, I had to come to church early tonight. I um, got, got to hear a vocalist tryout for the team. She passed her audition, which was really cool. But uh, I came early. Fisher wanted to ride in the car with me early. And just lately, he's, um, he, he's been uh, getting, he, he's very tech savvy. He's more tech savvy than me. So any, anything tech wise, he, he's, he's really excited about. But he, uh, I haven't even told this story to Heather yet. Our conversation, our deep conversation of searching for meaning of life that occurred in our you know five-minute drive to church tonight. But um, he's been really getting into to, to video editing. He wants to know how to make videos. And here he gave us his Christmas list. He wants a MacBook Pro and wants a, you know, 2000. He, he's been watching videos on how to make the best, you know, YouTube videos. And he wants to be a YouTube influencer. <laughs> and he gave me his list. And I said, Fisher, this adds up to like <laughs> $5,000. I don't know if Santa. Can't afford that. I said, "You're gonna have to get a job, Fisher." <laughs> if you, if you want certain things, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to grow up and get a job and work. And he's thinking, "Well, I know on YouTube, you know, they, they say you can get, you know, so many millions of views and get this much money, and and uh, but how am I gonna get these? Like the like the? I said the, the Bible says you actually have to labor." At some point in life, you're going to have to learn how to labor to get profit. All in all labor, there's profit. And I said, you, you might get lucky and strike gold and you know, just come up with an awesome little video that gets millions of views and you get thousands of dollars to buy all this equipment, but I don't know. I, I'm not going to speak doubt and unbelief over him, but, but let, let's come up with some other ways to earn some money. But I just said, why... why why, did, why do you want, why is this important to you? Why, why do you want to make a YouTube channel? And, and, uh, and he, he just got really serious. I think he's a little tired today. His mom was gone last night, so I, I let him stay up late and put him in bed myself. So when he's tired, he gets a little emotional. But he, he just said, I just, I just don't want to grow up and just work in a cubicle, just typing on... Uh, A keyboard. and He's like about ready to cry, and like I want my—he's like basically I want my life to mean something, and that's why I want to become famous and and have lots of people like me. And like, oh man, this is like too deep for me. Like right before, our 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 card, our our commute is not long enough for this conversation. So I just basically—it doesn't matter. If ten people watch your video or ten million people watch your video, it doesn't matter. That doesn't affect your worth. That it doesn't affect. What matters is that you know that God loves you, and that you love Him, and that's that's where your meaning comes from. And um, I I said, I just asked him, do you think do you think I'm famous? Fishing? He said, Well, kind of, because you're on on TV with Pastor Lawson, you know, with Papa. like I don't know if I, that constitutes as being famous. But I said Fisher that there's a lot of people who are very rich and very famous who are very unhappy people. And um, so he's kind of thinking about that, and he's like, "Well, what do you mean? There, there, there's lots of people, Fisher, who have millions and millions of people who like them, but they they don't like themselves, and they don't know that God likes them. And for some reason, they 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 don't like God themselves, and." It is a very, very deep conversation. And I'm, I'm fine with him wanting to make YouTube videos, but that cannot become an idol. And it's just, it's just funny how, how easily idols try to spring up in people's lives, in my own life, and, and, and Jesus is constantly asking just, hey, trust me with this. Give it to me. And, um... There's this um, older song that I love to sing. I sing and in, in worship with it at home, but the, the words of it are so powerful, and it's it's a song of surrender. And, and I think I think the, the church needs to preach surrender more and more. And I just see so many people who kind of put. I see a lot of celebrities who kind of put their toe in the church, you know. But then then I see them just get hurt and do dumb things, and I think it's because they didn't they didn't jump all, all in. They may be, they, they just, yeah, and the, the, the words of song is Jesus, Jesus all for Jesus, all I have and ever hope to be, Jesus all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be, all of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these into your hands. All of my ambitions, hopes, and plans, I surrender these into your hands, for it's only in your will that I am free, for it's only in your will that I am free. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. Isn't that beautiful? All of my ambitions, hopes, and plans, I surrender these into your hands. How beautiful is that? And uh, there have been things that I've been very ambitious about that I've planned for, that I've hoped for, but like now looking back, I'm really glad that my ambitions, my hopes, and my plans didn't work out. What seemed like everything to me really wasn't that much. And when I said, Jesus, just, just take it all, I surrendered. I, I, I want to be completely in your will. I want to do it completely, not, not in my strength, not with my effort. I want to do it completely in you and through you. That's where I want every aspect of my life to be. It, it's, it's so much better. So my, my first point is this, now that I've already answered the question of what is, what is Jesus asking for, which is not much, just everything, my first point is this, it's always better to follow Jesus. It's always better to follow, let, let God direct your step. I love this proverb, it's Proverbs sixteen nine. it says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. I'm not saying tonight to to just throw everything away. Maybe maybe some of the things that you're doing right now it's because God has called you to do those things. So I'm not just saying just go, go. You need to listen to God. And some of the things, he's already working in your life and building in your life. But I love this Proverbs 16. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Yes, you know, sometimes and I've actually found that often God's direction is very different than what you were initially planning. But but ultimately when when, when he's presenting his plan, when he's di- presenting his redirection, you, you need to, to go with where he's leading you because he knows you better than you know yourself. The the creator knows creation better than creation knows itself. You know, um, at, with, with a classical music background, um, sometimes we play music by composers that lived 400 years ago, and they wouldn't always put all the direction in the piece of music. They could just write down what they get, but sometimes we play music that's written by a current living composer, and it's really nice when you're playing a, a current living composer's piece, and you don't necessarily know how something is supposed to go. This created work they made, you don't know how it should be, so you can just ask the creator How do you want it to go? And if the creator says, I want it to be played this way, then that, that's, what the creator said is the ultimate authority. And we we have a benefit as being human beings with the creator who is still alive today. Because if we don't know how something is supposed to go, we don't know how something is supposed to work out, we can ask the creator. And what he says, that is the ultimate authority. Does that make sense? It's not, it's not really open to, to popular vote, to what the audience may like, to what society may like, to what, it's only, it's only up to the creator what they like. If you're playing a piece, you can't just ask an audience of a thousand people, well, do you want me to play it this way? Or, or I think it should be this way. Is this the way it should be? No, if the, if the creator wants it a certain way, that, that is the highest authority. That, that is the artistic chain of command it, it's the same thing with, with, with living, being living, breathing human beings. The ultimate authority is the creator and, and, and the, the biggest attack against God right now is against him as a creator you know this, this um Gender war that's going on in society today. It's, it's an attack against the creator because he created them male and female. This, uh, this, this, this battle that's being fought over, over children in the womb. It's, it's, it's an attack against the creator. Is something forming that? Is there, is there an author of life? In my mother's womb, you formed me. There is a creator who formed you if something formed you, it is molding you, shaping you, breathing life into you, then that that thing is the ultimate authority. Not what a judge says, not what the mother says, not what society says, not what... It's what Almighty God says. It's what the Almighty Creator says. And even if you get you get judges to vote the way you want them to vote, or get a president who thinks the way you, th- it doesn't change what's right and what's wrong. It, do- it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't change who who has the authority, because he is the highest authority. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's always better to follow His plan. And when you fought his plan, it's, it's always better than you think. When you surrender to him and trust him, it, oh, it's always better. It always works out better than what you think. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I love that. Above all that we ask or think. Man, his plan, it's always, it's always better than your plan. What he thinks is always better than what you're thinking. You know, Heather, Heather was um, going through some of our old books, and she, she came across an old journal of mine. You've got to be careful about keeping old journals around. <laughs> you never know what you wrote as an 18, 19-year-old, and how, how, you know, who's going to see it you know, 15 years later, and they might get a good laugh out of it when you were very serious and you know, writing this thing with tears. You know, she found she found a, a journal entry from when I was like 18 or 19 about what I wanted in a future wife, and I made this list because I probably heard some preacher say you got to make a list of what you want, of what you're thinking, of what you're you got to make your list. And um, she kind of laughed because she wasn't that list. <laughs> not she said not one thing. <laughs> There's probably one thing on that list, but I, I don't even know what's on. The, I don't even care because I, I'm sure if I, I compared her to that list, I haven't even seen the list. I don't even want to see it, honestly. I'd be so embarrassed, probably, because what God did was so much better than what I had planned or asked or thought about. Why? Because God knows you better than you know yourself. You know, God on on that list I'm sure I didn't put like she knows how to cook. No. But God knew that I would not know how to cook. <laughs> and if you wanted to have a pastor with any meat on his bones, he would need to marry like one of the greatest southern cooks in America. And thankfully I, I have gained a few pounds. I used to have to run around in the shower to get wet. <laughs> now I can just stand there and get wet. It's very nice. I'm a little thicker. <laughs> he knows you, man. Just, just surrender. It's so much better, man. I, 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 I was just thinking about so many like famous people who kind of dabbled in the church, but they didn't really. And, and the churches that they dabbled, like that's as deep as they could go, honestly, into the church that they dabbled in. Because they, they want people to touch their toe, but, but um, we, we gotta go deeper. Because cause if you don't surrender, you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna get hurt, you're gonna... It's so much better to just give him Everything. And to stop trying to do it your own way and stop trying to build your own kingdom and stop trying to hold on to whatever you're trying to hold on to. You know, let's look at Matthew 19. Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. This says, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So this this is the story of the rich young ruler. I'm kind of intrigued because he calls him good teacher. There's a lot of people that say God is good, that Jesus is good, but then they go and say the next breath later that God puts you through a furnace of affliction. Good means good. Good does not mean he makes you sick, he steals from you, he kills people, he causes turmoil, he causes... Pers- good does not mean that. And I, I don't think this guy really knew, really believe. he really understood that word Good. And when he he ascribed it to, to, to Jesus as his teacher, as his rabbi, I don't think he really, I don't think he really believed what he was singing, good teacher. He'd probably be one of those guys singing, you give and take away, you give and take away. God just gives, and he gives, and he gives. You give and give and give. You give and give and give. God does not take, God does not kill, God does not steal. God does not people put people in furnaces of affliction. God does not afflict his children. Get that through your theologically dense skulls. If you want to anger Pastor Aaron, <laughs> start saying that things that are bad are good, and start and attach them to God. That that makes me more angry. I, I can I can I'm generally a pretty calm person, believe it or not, <laughs> and I can generally get along with most people and try to do it. But that 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 teaching it's just so prevalent in the body of Christ. It's so, it, and it, it's it's it, it's not right. Good teacher. I don't think he really understood how good Jesus was. What good thing shall I do? So he's making it about himself. It wasn't about hey, you what what should I do? I'm a good guy. He he really trusted in his own goodness more than he trusted in the goodness of Jesus. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? So Jesus even asked him, why why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. So I think Jesus probably wondering, do you even believe that God is good, period? But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus, what do you you ask of me? He said, I don't, I'm I'm not, Jesus wasn't asking for much. He was just asking for Everything. He's like, right. Jesus, what do you ask of me now? I'm not going to ask for much, just everything. So that's what Jesus said to him. If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Come, follow me. That, that's, that's beautiful. Come and follow me. But it said when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It's always better to follow Jesus. What he held on to that day cost him more than he could even imagine. Whatever you're holding on to that you think is so costly to you, it, it, it really isn't. What he was holding on to was, was nothing in comparison to what Jesus was offering him. Come and follow me. He said, you know, I've, I've done these things, you know, don't, don't murder, don't. He's, he's kept the commandments, it's been about him, it's been about his goodness, but Jesus is saying now, it, it's not about, you. you can't be perfect apart from me. He said, if you wanna be perfect, I know you've kept these commandments. I know you, you haven't committed adultery. You haven't stolen. You haven't borne false witness. You've on your, but, but Jesus left out the commandments that he wasn't following. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. God was standing right before him. And, and he had other gods that came before Jesus. You shall not make idols. He had made idols out of something else, out of, out of his finances, out of his career, out of what he thought was important. You should not make idols. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Good teacher. If you call, if you call God good, you better believe it. Don't say he's good and then go and say, well, God, God is inflicting me with this sickness. God is trying to teach me something don't 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 say that. That's vain. If you're gonna say good teacher, good God, you better believe it. And just leave it at that. To me, what what him saying good teacher, even Jesus picked up on it. It, 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 was, it was vain. He said, come and follow me. And when Jesus is calling you to follow him, you can't be holding on to something else. And saying, Jesus, I'm going to be Lord over this thing. I'm going to hold on to this thing. And and, um, Jesus, he's saying, Come and follow me with every situation. There have been times where I've been holding on to something. This is my plan. This is my hope. This is my ambition. And Jesus, he's merciful. He loves you. He's going to give you chance after chance. But, but you are always better off following Jesus and, and, and handing that thing over to him. Casting that care upon him because He trust him, he really does care about you. Some things that people hold on to, money, fame, what others will think about me, personal success, guilt. Hang on to your own personal guilt, your own personal shame, your personal failure when he's calling you forgiven, calling you into freedom. People love to hold on to grudges. Man, people people just let let go. Let it go. I've seen people, really big name Christian leaders, just hold on to, to the smallest little grudges. Let it go. That thing that means nothing is costing you. I don't know what it's costing you. But if you're holding on to other things, it's gonna cause sorrow. He went away sorrowful. Holding on to Jesus, it's gonna bring joy, peace, life, and purpose. It's always better to follow Jesus. My next point is this, just let it go. I wanna look at the the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, turn to John four. My wife and I were talking about this and she brought out something really cool that I've never really noticed before here with the Samaritan woman at the well. I love that graphic, that visual they had up during worship, during that instrumental song where it was just water flowing. I didn't even know what I was gonna be preaching on. i want to talk a little bit about letting it go and just taking a drink of living water. Man, once you have a taste of the living water, it makes it a lot easier to let things go. So Jesus, let's start in, um, we'll start in verse one, John four, verse one. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. I love that. Now, where he was going, it, it was out of the way, but it said he needed to go through Samaria. I love it. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sikar, Near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So, so right here, Jesus is there. Just, and he, he knew that he had to go this way. He had to go out. He needed to see this woman. And I like, I like how he started it off with just a very simple statement. I was talking to Mario the other day. Mario Venzer here. Mario's a great evangelist. He loves hiking. He'll go on a hike here. in in Colorado, and just on a, on a day's hike, he'll get 18 people saved, and I asked him, how, how do you do that, and he said, you have to be naturally supernatural, so he's, said, like, sometimes you hear stories of great evangelists, and they, they, they give you the most spectacular examples, but he said, it's, it's actually a very natural, a very simple thing to lead someone to, I'm going to have him share on a Wednesday night sometime about how he does it, but he said, I'll just talk about the weather, talk about the trail, and then I'll just start kind of sharing my testimony, and, um, Jesus, he came up to, like he, he, knew, he knew who this woman was. He knew that him and his, his disciples had to go out of their way to see her and, and he just started off guns blazing. He just said, give me a drink. That's almost like something you could say to someone on a hiking trail, something very natural to say, hey, give me a drink. But right, right away, this is, a, she, she, she puts up those fences right away. Man, talk about, so talk about someone with some fences. She, she, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, you are a man, I'm a woman. Like, here, here are racial divisions, you guys have hated us, we hate you. I, there is a fence here, I wanna make it known. And, and Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the, what I have to give, the things that you're holding on to, you're holding on to this offense, this bitterness, this racial division, this religious division, this your, your, your past hurt. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. No one said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. I, I love this conversation now because they're, they're on two different planes. She is completely in the natural realm, completely in the physical realm, and he just goes straight to the spirit. The, the only natural thing that Jesus said to her was, give me a drink. And then he just goes straight, straight to the jugular. I'm just going straight to, to the heart of this. issue, straight to the spirit, straight to, to the truth of it. I'm just going straight to speaking words of spirit and truth. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are truth. And then she goes right back to the natural, 11. Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Again, this is this kind of offense. Well, you might be a Jew, but my father is Jacob. He is my father as well. Just putting up these fences. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? His sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, drank from this well, and their sheep and their donkeys, and I'm just as good as you are. Here's my fence. Jesus has said nothing. Sometimes Jesus says something offensive. He hasn't said anything really offensive yet. But she just starts out offended. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water. So he kind of answers her in the natural. If you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. But then right back to spirit and truth. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water that's springing up into everlasting life. This woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. I I bet she said it with a lot of attitude. I don't think she was saying like, I agree with you, Jesus. I think she was saying, well, give me this water, Prove it. You know, if you are the son of God, come down off that cross. Kind of that type of attitude. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The one answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke Truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) Again, she goes back to kind of this racial division, this religious division. Our fathers worshiped on this, so you're a prophet. So I'll speak to you as a prophet. I want to know what, what this prophet has to say about this issue. There's a lot of division over this issue because we say we can worship here. This is a special place, this is a holy place, but I wanna know what this prophet says. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. You Jews say that in Jerusalem. And again, it's not, it's, she's like making it pretty, like you Jews. Say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, he just starts reaching through that fence. Jesus doesn't care about the fences that people are putting up. There are a lot of people, there's a lot of push to put up fences against God, against the creator, against Jesus, against his church. Jesus keeps reaching out. He keeps loving, he keeps, I believe as he's looking at this woman right through her fence, he's saying, I'm going to die for this woman. This is why I am here, I'm gonna shed my blood for this woman who hates Jews, who hates me, who even hates prophets who are from the nation of Israel. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming, and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. He said, "I've been wor- reaching out to you in spirit and in truth, and, and there's going to come a time when, when what's coming back to me, what's coming back to the Father. It's true worship. It's worship in the spirit, it's worship in truth. The woman said to him, "I know that Messiah is coming." who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is the first time publicly outside of his disciples that he he spoke out publicly that I am Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. And and I find this really interesting. And at this very point, the next verse says, the disciples, their, their timing is perfect. He just, they, they went out of this, they, they had to go to the Samaritan town so Jesus could meet this Samaritan woman who was hurt, who had fences up, who, who did not want to have any dealings with Jesus, with any prophets, with any Jews, with anyone from Jerusalem. And Jesus just flat out said, I am the Messiah. And then the, the disciples show up. And thank God they didn't open their mouths. But thankfully for us, for our entertainment's sake, their thoughts are recorded here in Scripture. So let's read what they were thinking. They were marveling that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, you know, what do you seek, or why are you you talking to this woman? She doesn't look that right. Jesus, this is going to give you a bad reputation. Jesus, we want to get you lots of YouTube followers. This is going to... This isn't going to work out. What if someone gets a video of this Jesus? You won't be famous. We won't be famous. People won't like you. They won't like us. Jesus, what are you doing? Next verse is so, verse 28. Everything that she was holding on to, Sure, she was holding on to that water pot, but every every offense, every racial division, every gender division, all of her past screw-ups, all of her past hurts, all of her guilt, her shame, everything that she was holding on to, she sat it down. She left it. She surrendered everything. Because that guy just said he's the Messiah. She believed in him. What was Jesus asking of, of that Samaritan? He, was, he wasn't asking for much. He was just asking for a drink of water. He was just asking for everything. And she sat it down, and she didn't care who she talked to. She went into that town. She, she talked to every man, every woman, every kid, every dog, every... She stepped into her purpose she was called to be an evangelist. I don't know if she evangelized as well as Mario Benzer does. But, but she did something. She said, I, I met the Christ, and he told me everything I ever did. And ultimately, what, what she said didn't even matter. What matters is when these people came and met Jesus for themselves. That's what really matters. She, she left everything. She left that water pot. Everything that she's clinging onto. she left. And I, I love that she was just an ordinary person. You know, what probably the, the first evangelist mentioned in Scripture, just as, as plain as can be. God loves to use ordinary people. And, and we see that. Let's, let's read one more Scripture here. First Corinthians 1, 26. First Corinthians 1 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. I bet the disciples, when they saw Jesus talking to this one, they thought, that is such a foolish thing. Doesn't he know you're not supposed to talk to women? Doesn't he know we have no dealings with this man? Doesn't he know we need to get away from this place as fast as we can? Doesn't he know true worshipers aren't in Sakaar? We need to get to Jerusalem, Jesus. That's where we're going to set up your kingdom. (laughs) God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. Say that, in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. God loves to use ordinary people. He loves to call ordinary people. I am extremely ordinary. But in Christ Jesus, I am wise, I am righteous, I am sanctified. I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I can tap into his prosperity, into his riches and glory. It's not about me. It's not about my talent, my my charisma, my plans, my ambitions. It's all about him. And whatever little thing perks up and tries to Take hold of me. Jesus, you take this thing. I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm not going to be Lord over this situation. Jesus, I'm trusting you with this. It might feel like everything, but I'm going to let it go. God loves to use. I I think when we get to heaven, you're going to be surprised at how ordinary your heroes are there. You're going to be so surprised. You know, Moses... He held up that rod and parted the Red Sea, crossed with all of the Israelites, and then raised it again and let God close that Red Sea over the entire Egyptian army. I think when you see Moses, Moses, you're kind of quiet. Don't you have something to tell me? You don't say. I thought he'd be a little more talkative. He's kind of quiet. Abraham, Father Abraham, You're much shorter than I thought you'd be. Esther, sure you're cute, but did you really win the biggest beauty contest in all of the Persian Empire? You you seem a little ordinary to me. Elijah, call down fire from heaven. You just seem like my crazy Uncle Jim. Even James said, preaching about Elijah in James 5, he said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just an ordinary person, but he prayed earnestly. He put his faith in the one true God. He prayed earnestly. He man, it bothered him that Israel was, was compromising. He called, he, he told Ahab, get all of Israel together, get all of the prophets of Baal together. And he said, Let let me say something. How long? How long will you falter between two opinions? How long are you going to hold on to Baal and try to hold on to God? How long? Stop trying to hold on to two things. We're going to choose the one. We're going to choose who is the one true Lord. We are going, to, we are going to, to make it known. And the real God is going to answer by fire. The real God is still answering by fire. The real God is still mighty. He is still powerful. He still cares about you. He's still saving today. He's still healing. He is still delivering. The fire of God is still, But He is still filling people with the Holy Spirit today. God loves to use ordinary people, and this church is full of ordinary people. But in Christ Jesus, they're going to lay hands on the sick and see them. They are going to see the very fire of God in Christ Jesus. It's all about Him. So in conclusion, what is Jesus asking of you right now? It's not much. It's just Everything. So whatever you're holding on to, whatever you're clinging on to, just let it go. Come and follow him completely. Surrender to him in every area of life. And I know that once you do that, the things that you thought were so important that you you just kept in a cupboard away from God, when you give that to him, when you look back, you're gonna be like, that really, Jesus, you're right, that was really nothing. That really wasn't much at all. And it's always going to work out better when you do it his way. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.